Thank you all for making it out in this rainy day. I know the weather forecast is just not all that great for the whole day, but you all made it out here anyway. And we want to thank you for, for doing that. How many were up on Facebook this week and saw a little more elaborate Facebook posts than I put on usually? All right. That's where we're going to delve in here today. And as we were getting ready for this, I, I don't know if I shared this story with you before or not, because I didn't take the time to look this one up. But I heard this story about this pastor. And every, every Sunday after the worship was over, he would bow his head. And then he would come to the microphone and he would preach the sermon. And his little daughter was watching this going on week after week after week after week. And so she asked him, she says, she says Dad, why is it that before you begin to preach every Sunday morning, you bow your head? And he says, well, I pray. He says, I'm asking God to give me a good sermon for the day. And she said to him, she says, well, how come it doesn't work? <laughs> Ouch. Hmm. We want to talk some more about asking God for things. Asking God for the, the things that we need. And if you didn't get on Facebook, if you didn't get to see that, this is what was buzzing around in, 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 in me for, for consideration for this. When we think of the story, and there's other stories we can think of on this line as, as well, but when we think of the story of the woman with the issue of blood, and she had this condition for 12 years, and she sought help every place that she could have gotten to, and we know that she was, a, she was Jewish, she was a believer in the Word. How is it that throughout those 12 years that we could even conceive that this woman would not have asked for a prayer from someone else that she was around. And if she did ask for a prayer, say she went over to a neighbor, they were in church and they heard a particular service, particular sermon on how uh, Samuel prayed over someone and they got healed or Elisha prayed over someone and they got healed. How is it that she would have come out of there and maybe asked somebody, said, would you pray for me? that I would be healed. And if the woman or someone like that, if the woman with the issue of blood had come up to you and she had asked you and said, would you pray for me for this condition that I've had for 12 years I need freedom from? If she came to you and she asked you to pray, how would you pray? What would you say? Now, we may not have the woman with the issue of blood with us, but we've had other people who've had conditions for long periods of time and they've come up to us and they've asked us for prayer. How would you pray? How have you prayed? So we want to endeavor to take this topic on here for just a bit. As we looked at last week, when we need to receive things from God, we need to first off find out from His Word. Does He have it to give? Does he have it to give? After that, is he willing or ready to give it? Remember the disciples asked, when will you come? And he said, that's not for you to know. He's not, he's not ready to give that one out. And then third, do I qualify? Here's a story with the woman, the issue of blood. Let's just read over it. We're not going through here for all the details. We're just looking at the overall picture. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. 
When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, when we read this story, we find out in the story, no one prayed. Jesus didn't pray. She didn't pray. No one prayed. But I use this particular story because if someone had this condition, how many of you can imagine yourself being asked, would you pray for me for this? Mm-hmm. Then what would we pray if they came to us? Because they're not going to come to us and say, if I just touch the hem of your garment. <laughs> how would we pray for this one? Now, how many, many times we pray, i put this in your outline for you so you wouldn't, wouldn't lose this one. Many times we pray and hope it does some good instead of praying with faith, knowing it will. There are a lot of times that people come to us and ask for prayer. Well, I don't really know what to do for you. I don't really know how to help you, so I'll just pray, and at least I felt like I did something. And we're praying with, well, hopefully, hopefully it changes something. Hopefully it has some positive effect. I'm at least willing to, to pray, but that's where it stops. Now, Jesus sometimes would call people on their unbelief. Remember the disciples? Where is your faith? How is it that you have no faith? How many, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you feel quite that bold that if someone came up to you and you know they're in unbelief, you would call them out on it? How many sometimes we get a little intimidated? Well, maybe, I don't want to be holier than thou, maybe... Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I don't know what's going on. Who am I to call them out? How willing are you to receive someone calling you out? We have to be, be in that place to be able to do so. So I went through some of the Word of God. And this, we're not looking necessarily at healing stories, though one of, them, one of them is. But what we're looking at is faith stories. And in Acts 23, verse 10, now, when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled by, to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, now watch what the Lord says to him. This is real important. Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Now, this is the word that the Lord spoke to him. I don't know if he spoke to him in his spirit. I don't know if he manifested in his presence and spoke this. I don't know if it was delivered by an angel. It does say the Lord stood by him and said, is this in a vision? However this was, this is how Paul relates to it. But it does not matter if God speaks to you in your spirit, if God stands by you and speaks it, if an angel shows up and delivers the message. If it comes to you in a dream or a vision, if you have the word from God, you need to know what to do with it. 
Now let's look at, well, I want to fill this part of it out here first because this is kind of the, the crux of what we have in here. So, so listen good on this one. You want to make sure you get these. Having faith in God's Word is not the same thing as having faith from God's Word. Having faith in God's Word is not the same thing as having faith from God's Word. Now, let me take a look at a couple of other areas of Scripture. See, most of us have faith in God's Word. In fact, if you don't have faith in God's Word, you'll never get faith from His Word. The woman with the issue of blood had faith in the words that she heard. She had faith in the words of Jesus. But she went beyond that and she had faith from those words. Because she had faith from those words, it caused her to step out and produced an action. And that faith from God's word is what got her healed. But we often have faith in God's word, but we stop there. We don't go beyond faith in his word. If I tell you that Jesus is the healer and read scriptures from the word to talk about Jesus as the healer, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that, you would say. Because you have faith in God's word. But not everybody who has faith in God's word develops faith from God's word to do things. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine, speaking to the prophet, to uh, go to Paul, to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So the word that came about Paul is that he would be, his name, he would bear the name of Jesus before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So now you've been given your audience. Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now, most times that God is listing groups of people, who does he start with? The Jews. Look what he did here. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. That's out of order for how God usually does things. Because for Paul, and this is what he can get from this word, my priority is first off, Gentiles. Secondly, kings. And third, the children of Israel. I'll tell you what, we can spend a little bit of time on this one. Where did Paul go when he first went into a city? The synagogues. Isn't that interesting? He first off went into the synagogues. And then when they rejected him, he went out amongst the Gentiles. But constantly when he was going out, he went to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. What about the kings? That didn't come up for a while yet, did it? He was going to the Jews and the Gentiles. Eventually, after a few riots, he got before some kings. Acts chapter 18, verse 9. 
Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Now that's a word that he got in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you, for I have many people in this city. We cannot just have faith in the word. We have to get faith from the word. So when you look at this statement, what kind of faith is Paul supposed to get from this word? He's supposed to have faith, first off, to speak and not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. If he leaves this city and goes to another city, can he apply this word? No. Because this word is what? In this city. See, here's where a lot of Christians get into trouble. Is we take a word that was spoken, and we have faith in the word. And we decide, I'm going to have faith in the word for this particular thing. And we take faith from the word for something that was never intended. Because we don't rightly decide, discern what the Word of God is saying. If Paul were to take this and go over to another city and say, well, I'm not going to be hurt because God said. God didn't say that. He said, in this city. If God would have said anywhere, he could have taken faith for that. But what he is to take from this is that in this city, this is how I am to behave. Let's go and look at another one. Acts 22, verse 17. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. Now this is in chapter 22. He had verse eight, or chapter 18 before. Didn't chapter 18 say, No one will hurt you? Now he's saying, Make haste. So what should he do? <laughs> Make haste and get out of the city. <laughs> See, we don't always like to hear that. Sometimes we're like, well, I'll just rebuke that. I rebuke the devil. I rebuke that. That's not coming near me. No, God said, get out. If God says, get out. Then get out. We can't do that. We've got to listen to our spirit. Your spirit will guide you into the right places. You don't listen to your spirit and you go into the wrong place. You can't have faith in that. Because I didn't listen to the word. I didn't build faith from the word. I built faith from what I wanted to do. I think I told you this story before, but it's a good story for the, the picture of it. Brother Keith Moore shared it when he was back in the uh, back at Raymond and doing some things in the counseling area. And he said this uh, woman had called the office and she was talking to him. He says, um, he says, why did this? And he, she um, listed the bad thing that happened to her. I think she got... Uh, uh, beat up or robbed or something along those lines. And she, um, she said, why did God let that happen to me? And he was kind of at a loss. As you know, I'm a child of God. I claim 91st Psalm and protection of God all the time. Why did God let me get, get robbed like that? And so he, uh, he really didn't know what to say. He was kind of early on in this. And so he began to ask her, and, you know, well, um, 
I'm sure that you had some, some business there to take care of. He says, no, I didn't really have any business there. It's just uh, something I wanted to go out there and to do. I see. Okay. Well, um, and began to ask you some more questions and found out that, well, uh, in my spirit that morning, I kind of got a check that I shouldn't go. <laughs> and you went anyway? <laughs> and eventually after they talked to her on three, she says, yeah, I guess it was my fault. I was in the wrong place. You see, you can't use your faith to reject what God tells you in your spirit. And if God says this place is bad, stay out of it. Now, it might be tomorrow. It's okay. Tomorrow's a different day. He may come up in your spirit and said, wait 10 minutes before you leave for work, but I'll be late. Wait 10 minutes before you leave for work. Well, can't God order the things going around to, to just make it so that whatever was going to be in your way, whatever was going to happen, wouldn't happen? Well, he, either he's not able to do that because of people's will or he wants you to be obedient. Listen to the voice of God. Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. What if he decided to wait a day or two? Okay, I'll leave quickly, but I'm going to accomplish this first. Look at verse 11 again. Or we, we, did, we, no, we didn't read this one yet, did we? Acts 23, verse 10. Now when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring, them into, bring him into the barracks. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Now, this is a very powerful thing. And sometimes we don't realize all that the Lord speaks to us when he speaks things to us. First off, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Don't be down and depressed. If Paul goes from here and is down and depressed because of things are going, how things are going, he doesn't quite like how things are, He's missed that first part of it, right? Be of good cheer is the first thing he says. As you have testified of me in Jerusalem, so, so, what's he saying? You must also bear witness at Rome. This is God speaking this to him. You must bear witness at Rome. I think just about everybody who studies the Word of God on a regular basis, you get a couple of things in you that just kind of bug you when, when preachers go off on it. And one of the things that just really irritates me is when pe preachers go off on Paul saying how Paul missed it, how Paul was uh, in the flesh to go to Jerusalem because he was in a hurry because of all these different things that they see. And they say all this, this stuff about Paul, that Paul missed it in going to Jerusalem because when he got there, he never really got a whole lot done. And uh, he was arrested and then he was in prison for all this time. And they say all these different things about it. But I don't believe that at all. I think, first off, Paul was a lot more advanced in these things than we are. And I'm not about to stand up there and say, tell Paul, <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> I'm not about to do that. I think Paul, if anything, he's operating at a much higher level than I may even able to conceive of. 
And he can operate in those things and do those things. Because, you know, people came to him and they said, by word of the Lord. So they said, by word of the Lord, I perceive that the man who owns this belt will be bound and all these different things will go on. And Paul says, what are you doing crying about all this? I'm willing to go to God for change. It's, this is fine. And I don't know what's wrong with you people. <laughs> but I signed up for this. God told me I would be battling chains and, and all these prisons and all this sort of thing. He told me I would be going through that. But something came up to him to, to do that. And in this verse, the Lord says, Be of good cheer, as you have testified of me at Jerusalem. Does that sound like he missed it? Boy, it doesn't sound like he missed it to me. I think he did, he's right where he's supposed to be. As you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must in Rome as well. He must. So that tells me this. I will be leaving Jerusalem. No one will be killing me. And I will make the journey from Jerusalem to Rome. Now, we all, if you all know the book of Acts, you all know what happened to Paul on the way between Jerusalem and Rome. There was a little problem with the boat. Now, if you weren't here for when we did this in the book of Acts, I'll just give you a little, a little light on this, just a little, little bit on this. But when... Um, and if you go back and find the series on Acts, you can find a lot more detail on this. But when Paul was put on the, on the boat to go to Rome, the boat they put him on was not a boat that was able to handle the winter storms that would come up. Because in that area of the country, in that area of the world, they had winter storms that would come up. And you didn't sail in the winter because of these winter storms. And they put him on a boat that would not... Uh, we're not hold up under the, under that. And so we spent a whole lot more time on this, but the people who put Paul on the boat did not expect Paul to arrive in Rome. They expected the boat to go down. If you want a little bit of proof of this, if you go to the story and you find out that the accusers, the Jewish people who were accusers, were never there when Paul got off the boat. They had to send for them and wait for them to arrive. If the Jewish people were expecting Paul to be in Rome, why weren't they making plans to get there as well? They did not expect him to make it. They expected his ship to go down. But when he came off, he came off of a much better ship and he came out with a whole lot of money because people had given him offerings in the town he was at before, and he was dressed very well. That's not what they were expecting. But anyway, that's just a, a side note. But they had this that went on. And you can think of some of the events that Paul went through during that shipwreck. But here's what he could hang on to. The Lord said that I will testify in Rome. I have faith in his word. Because I have faith in his word, I can thereby have faith from his word that whatever I encounter, I will overcome. He does not say in his word, you will not go down in a shipwreck. You will not be killed in a riot. 
He doesn't say any of those things that occur to him. He doesn't say any of those things in the Word at all. All he says is, Be of good cheer. As you have testified in the city of Jerusalem, so you must bear witness at Rome. And that's it. See, God doesn't, he does not get wordy. And he does not try and take on all of your concerns in a word to you. You're supposed to take on those concerns and defeat them from the faith you get from his word. Whatever the enemy comes up with, you defeat it with faith that you build from his word. If he starts listing a few things, a few specifics in there, then what happens if you get something that wasn't in those specifics? He doesn't need to mention those. All he needs to do is say, you need to be at Rome. I need you to be at Rome. I need you to do this. Part of your call was Gentiles, kings, and the Jewish people. He wasn't too much in the kings in the beginning, but now that's starting to pick up. And during his whole time from his imprisonment in Jerusalem, he is constantly before kings. Constantly before kings. Why? Because God was part of his purpose. When people say he shouldn't have gone to Jerusalem, he just got imprisoned. How many rulers, how many kings was he in front of while he was there? Until he finally came and appealed to Caesar and went all the way up to the top. And the word of God was spoken to people that otherwise never would have happened. You remember when Jesus said this to his disciples? Let us go to the other side. He didn't say, there's a storm that's coming up. I don't want you to fear about the storm. We're going to overcome this storm. He doesn't say that to him. He just says, let us go to the other side. And when they get all panicky and they have a problem with what's going on and they come down to him and they say, Master, don't you care that we perish? He comes up, he quiets the storm and he turns to them and he says, where's your faith? What faith? The faith that you should have built because I said... Let's go to the other side. See, we're not, we're not spending time building the faith. We're just trying to have faith in. I have faith in the Word of God. I have faith that God said, I am healed. I have faith that says, I am delivered. I have faith that says, I am set free. I am forgiven. And I have faith in the Word. But I haven't spent any time building faith from the word. If God has said, and I can go over whatever the promise is, what faith is that building in me? What faith is it building? Or does the enemy come up and say, well, you're not going to succeed. Well, this isn't going to work for you. So there's all kinds of ways God speaks to us. God speaks to us in his word but God also will come up in our spirit and speak some things to us to help us. And he may say, go and do this. Go and do this. You may have gone to the school that you went to because God says, go to this school. I hope he did. I hope that's what you followed. You may have a job that you have because God says, take this job. You may have bought the house that you have because God said, this is a good house. Buy this house. 
But whatever it is that we're in, and we have that word from God, and a problem comes up. Let's just take a situation. You buy a house because in your spirit you had a peace about being there. Because in your spirit you heard from God, go ahead and buy this house. This is a good deal. In your spirit you felt that agreement. And so you stepped out and you did it. And a week, two weeks, a month, a year, whatever time it is, into buying that house, something happens. And immediately you begin to think, maybe I shouldn't have bought this house. Maybe this was a mistake. And so you go back to it and you, did, did God say, buy this house? Did I feel that in my spirit? It was just a, and you go back and you check it out. No, I know God said this. I followed after God. I checked it out as thoroughly as I could. This is what God said to do. So then what should you, what should you do? Father God, you told me to buy this house. You knew when I bought this house what was down the road. I didn't know what was down the road, but you knew what was down the road. So if you spoke to me about buying this house, told me to buy this house, and you knew this thing was coming, there was a way to overcome this problem. I thank you that you will show me the way to overcome this problem and to win out on the other side. And that's what we, we would do. The children of Israel. What was the word that came to them? I will lead you out of Egypt with a mighty hand into a land that flows with milk and honey. Right? And every time they ran into an obstacle, what did they say? God brought us out here to kill us. Were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here? All these things they would say. Why? Because they did not build faith from the word that God spoke to them. And every time they ran into a problem, oh, there's no water. Oh, there's no food. Oh, there's an enemy here. Oh, there's this problem. Whatever problem they ran into, they faltered on it because they had no faith to fight. Faith in the Word is good, folks, and you have to have faith in the Word. But faith in the Word is not how you fight. It's faith from the Word that will win the fight. But we, put, we have jumbled faith all into one category. I have faith. I have faith. And we're not trying to build anything else. Just because you're walking through this life doesn't mean that you're going to just have an easy time of it. God never promised you that. But find out what He said in His Word. There's a promise. If it's a general promise that's made to everyone, then whatever it takes to get you from where you are to where that general promise is, God will take care of it. There are some specific promises that come up. As God spoke to Paul and as God spoke to others, He'll speak to you and He will give you specific promises about your future, about your direction. You need to follow it. You need to listen. Hear what he has to say. So three things God spoke to Paul. Be of good cheer. As you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. God's always very very short, very succinct, and we can just hang on those things. All right, this is what I'm supposed to do. My role is be of good cheer. That's my role. God's role is to get me from Jerusalem to Rome. My role is be of good cheer. And you focus on that. You just focus on what it is that he has said to do. Oh, I'll tell you what, it, it works well for you. 
So faith in this word would look like this. Well, I believe God that uh, I will be a testimony for God wherever I go. I believe that God said I'll be a testimony. I believe that God said that I can be of good cheer. But you see, faith from the word says, no, no, I will be of good cheer. I'm, I am going from Jerusalem to Rome. Have you ever heard other ministers, other people teaching on, on Acts? And they say, Paul missed, I've heard this. It bugs me when they do it. Paul missed it by appealing to Caesar. And you know what they use for proof? I believe it was uh, King Agrippa, or uh, one of them, was, was saying, this man is innocent. He's done nothing worthy of chains. He would be set free right now if he had not appealed to Caesar. But Paul had been sitting in jail for two years and no one wanted to do anything about it because everybody's afraid of the Jews or afraid of something else. So he says, well, let's get out of here. God has told me I am to go to Rome. Let's go to Rome. And he appeals to Caesar. As a Roman, he can do that. And his case is going to be heard before the head of the land. That's pretty awesome. We've got to have faith from, not just faith in. The woman acted on the faith that she had from the things that she had heard. She heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. That's what she said. See, that's faith from the word. She had faith in the word to believe that it happened, to believe that these things occurred about Jesus. But then she had faith from it by saying, if I just touch the hem of his garment. That's all I got to do. If I just touch the hem of his garment. Wow, if I just touch. And she gets focused on that, focused on that. Then she got by the crowd. Here's Jesus. Jesus is coming by. Here's my opportunity. And she seized that opportunity. She went out there. And she touched the hem of his garment. Verse 12 in Acts 23. And when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Now that is just a stupid thing to do. I mean, there are people who do stupid things. This is one of those stupid things to do. We are not going to eat or drink till they had killed Paul. Now, how many of you have ever gone out, gone without water for a day? No water for an entire day. No water. No food, no water. One whole day, nothing. How does your body feel after that? Doesn't feel real good, does it? Your, your energy level goes down. You're dehydrated. Because your body's not made to go without food and water. What if it's two days? Well, you're feeling worse. Well, how stupid is it to say we're going to take on a physical feat slaying Paul and we're going to do something that's going to make us be weaker every day? So they took this oath. That's just stupid. Remember back in the book of the Old Testament? Jonathan was out there and uh, he was slaying Philistines. Slaying Philistines and he found some honey and he ate some honey. 
And the men said, oh, your father bound us all that we wouldn't eat until this was all done. He said, well, that was stupid. Look, I ate a little bit. Look at how much brighter my eyes are than all of you guys. That was stupid to do. We should be eating. If we're fighting, we ought to be eating. <laughs> but that's what they did. And they took this oath. They were serious. Now, there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. Forty people got together. That's 40 people that are so mad at Paul, they were going to say, I'm not going to eat or drink anything until he's dead. They came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great oath that we'll, we will eat nothing until we have killed Paul. Now, you, therefore, together with the council, suggest to the commander that he be brought down to you tomorrow, as though you were going to make further inquiries concerning him. But we will be ready to kill him before he comes. So when Paul's sister's son heard of their ambush, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Take this young man to the commander, for he has something to tell him. Now what was the word from God? You will bear witness in Rome. Should Paul fear this at all? No. God, you said I'm going to... You told me I'm going to go to Rome. These guys want to stop that. That means their plan is history. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. So you got this little tiny guy, little lad, coming there and says, I heard that they're going to have this ambush against Paul. And the commander, what's he going to do? Who's this little kid? How do I even know you're not making this story up? But you see, Paul sent him. And Paul knows God has said they're not going to succeed. So the commander took him by the hand and went aside and asked probably. In other words, we don't want him to be intimidated by the crowd. Took the little guy by the hand. And it's not a teenager. <laughs> took the little guy by the hand, led him off to the side and says, all right, it's just you and me here now. I don't want you to be scared about anybody. Just You just tell me what it is that you have to say. And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask that when you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about him, but do not yield to them, for more than 40 of them lie in wait for him, men who have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him, and now they are ready waiting for the promise from you. So the commander let the young men depart and commanded him, Tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. How good are little kids at keeping secrets? And he called for two centurions saying, Prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night and provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix the governor. So there's 40 guys that are coming against him. 40. He called for two centurions. That's leaders of hundreds. Prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night. By my count, they outnumber the opposition 10 to 1. 10 soldiers to every one non-soldier. So if you're a part of this band of 40 people, and you see this group of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 guys with spears. What are you going to say? I'm kind of rethinking this idea here. 
I'm not quite sure that we can go out there and do anything about it. See, the, 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 the commander, he didn't necessarily listen to the child's advice. The child's advice was don't go. And he didn't disbelieve the child either. He said, we don't back down to 40 guys who take a vow. Let's get some people on this. And how much of expense do you think it took to get 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 men with spears ready to go at the third hour of the day? Spared no expense, did he? Why? Because God said, Because God said. One more verse of scripture I want to take you to. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they had laid daily at the temple, at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him, with John and Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now when Peter says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. This is faith in the word of God. Isn't it? Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. That's faith in the Word of God. That what God said I have, I have. That's faith in the Word of God. He had faith in the Word of God. Well, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now that second part, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, this is faith from the Word. The first part was faith in the Word. I have what God said I have. But see, then it went on from there to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's faith from the Word. I got the Word in me. Now I'm stepping out and doing something with that faith. In verse 7, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. When did the strength come? When Peter declared his faith in the Word? No. When Peter declared his faith from the Word? Still not there. He declared his faith from the word. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He declares that. Then he reaches down and he grabs him by the hand. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he reaches down, grabs the guy and pulls him up. Now you do this to a lame person. You could be tagged for abuse. That's not nice to do to a lame person. You yank them up in the air, they're going to come down, they're going to fall and they get hurt. But that's what he did. Why? Because he had faith from the Word. That faith from the Word produced an action. 
And that action, when he acted on it, when he did it, immediately his feet, his ankles, his legs, his bones, his muscles, they received strength. They received that strength. But as long as he was sitting there, as long as Peter had faith in the word, there was no change in his situation. He had to build faith from the word and do something. The woman with the issue of blood had faith in the word that she believed the report she heard about Jesus. She had faith from the word and that she declared, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. But then she took that faith and put it into action. Because if she had not put it in action, even though she had faith from the word, it wouldn't have done any good, huh? How can you say you have faith from the word when you have no action? She put it to work. If you really truly believed that touching the hem of his garment was going to heal you, why would you not do it? So she does it. And immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Because they took what they built from the word and put it in action. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking, leaping, and praising God. You see this guy? Walking, leaping, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If we're going to receive things from God, what we need to do is to take his word and have faith in his word, but then let that faith in his word produce something that builds something that comes from it. We need to have faith from his word. If I have faith in His Word, what is the faith from His Word that I am getting to do? The Word of God tells us that if you repent, if you confess the name of Jesus, that you shall be saved, doesn't it? Well, I can have faith in that, but I still have to have faith from it and do it. And when I do it, I then receive salvation. Same way we got saved is the same way that all the other things happen. I build faith that I have in the Word, I build from that faith from the Word, and I go out there and do it. What is it that you need to build in your life to receive from God? To receive the thing that you need. Now, in order to ask things of God, you've got to make sure that first off, God has it. Secondly, that God is willing to give it. And third, that I qualify. With the woman with the issue of blood... Did she ask God for anything? Did she ask Jesus for anything? This man at the gate, did he ask for anything? Yes, for alms. Alms, alms for the poor, alms. He's asking for alms. But he's just asking in a general way. You see, if that woman with the issue of blood had come to us, Will you pray for me? How many of you can envision yourself praying something along this line? Father God, this woman has been suffering all these years. I know it's not your will for her to be suffering all these years. I pray right now 
that she would receive her healing. And we would stand sincere. And yet there's not a single time that it occurred in the Word of God. But many times we would make a prayer like this and we would go off from there and wonder, wonder if anything happened. Wonder if thing, anything went on. What all what all's happening here? See, I had faith in the Word, but I didn't build anything from it. Peter and John, they built something from the faith they had in the Word. They saw this man and they saw something they could operate on. Jesus did this many times with people. He saw something that he could operate on. Something that he could do. Something that he could he could act on. Get them to act on. If we just if we just sit back and wait for things to come to us, they don't generally come. Now here's the thing, folks, you gotta understand what it is that's in God's hands what it is he is willing to give and whether I qualify. In the area of healing, we'll we'll investigate this more as we go along. But does healing belong to me or does healing belong to God? You see, if healing belongs to God, I need to ask him for it to receive it. If healing belongs to me, Changes the rules. Sometimes, folks, we are asking God for the very things that He gave us. And if I ask God for the very things that He gave us, am I walking in faith? In fact, folks, if I ask God for the very things that He gave us, not only am I not building faith from the Word, I have negated my faith in the Word. Because I don't believe what he said. If we negate our faith in the word, we cannot build faith from the word. And it's our faith in the word that gives us the platform to build something from the word. There's more to look into this. Just kind of getting our the outskirts of this. So much more to learn because I, I want to make it so. How many people did Jesus pray for that he failed at? That no, no, no change. If Jesus didn't have these, these kind of failures, if the disciples went out, I mean, they had some initial failures, but eventually they got things right and they got things going and they weren't having the failures. What do we have to do? Don't you want to learn? I mean, if the disciples could learn and they could go out in the book of Acts and have success after success after success, I want to have that kind of success. How about you? But in order to have this kind of success, here's what it's going to take from you. You've got to first off have faith in the Word. Don't negate your faith in the Word. You've got to be willing to build faith from the Word. You've got to be willing to rebuke unbelief when you see it and call on faith when it's needed just as Jesus did. And if we're willing to do those things, I'll tell you what, we can have some success. We can walk into people's lives and change their life around for the better just like Jesus did. I don't know about you, but that's something I sure like to, to see go on a whole lot more.
So I put this in your outline for you. Are you satisfied with faith in God's Word? Or do you want something more? Is faith in God's Word? Is that enough for you? Or do you want more? Do you want faith from His Word? You look at the disciples standing on the boat, watching Jesus rebuke the wind and the waves and turning to them and says, where is your faith? Or any number of times when you'd say, how is it you have no faith? Did they doubt Him as God? Did they doubt His words? No, they always had faith in His Word and in His words. But He said to them, where is your faith? What faith is He looking for? If they still believed in His words, what faith is He looking for? He's looking for something that comes from it. There is faith in His Word and there is faith from His Word. We've been stuck many times in our Christian walk with faith in His Word. And I'll tell you what, faith in His Word is a whole lot better place to be than a place, no faith in His Word. That's a bad place to be. At least faith in His Word, you're born again. But you've got to get to that spot where you have faith from His Word. Then when God speaks something to you, you don't keep running to him and say, how come we have no water? How come we have no food? How come this is going on? Why, have, why, why do we have the army chasing us? Where we build faith from his word. And we say, Father God, I don't know where this is coming from, but you told me I'm going to that place over there. That means you're getting me through this place right here. And you have faith from his word. So if the woman with the issue of blood came to you and asked for prayer, would you have prayed for her with, through faith in the Word of God? Or would you have prayed for her with faith from the Word of God? Faith from the Word of God puts you in the line as well as God on the line. Just like Peter and John were put on the line. Silver and gold don't have, but what I do have I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, grabs him by the hand and yanks him up. I dare say, folks, if a lot of us had walked by and saw that with him, can I pray for you? Father God, this man has suffered all these years. I know it's not your will for him to suffer. I pray that this day that his situation changes. I want you to call me let me know how things are going. Because I'm not willing to have faith from His Word. I'm not willing to put myself in a line. We're not looking to just have faith from His Word here in church where we're all around familiar territory. We're all believers. But most of the time we see faith from His Word. It's outside of the synagogue. It's outside of the church. It's outside of the public meeting. It's outside in the world. When you're at work, in the grocery store, in the neighborhood. And just because Paul, or just because Peter reached down and grabbed the lame guy by the hand and yanked him up, doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do every situation. How many times did Jesus walk by this guy and did not reach down and yank him up? And it was on this one. Don't let the enemy get you into having an act, an act of faith that looks like it's from His Word, but it's not. 
has to come from his word. What God has spoken to you. So I showed you all these things that Paul was given. Paul was spoken these things. Paul, you were going to go before Gentiles, kings, and the Jewish people. Paul, just like you've done here in Jerusalem, you are going to bear witness for me in Rome. You must bear witness for me in Rome. He built things off of that. He's on that boat. The storm is coming along. Beating that thing for weeks. What's he saying all the time? I can't go down. God said, I must bear witness for him in Rome. Can we have that much confidence and in, in faith in God? See, faith in God should change your life. You shouldn't just go through it the rest, just, just normal. It should change your life. Would you all stand up with me? What is your faith in the Word of God doing to alter or change your life or change the life of those people that are around you? Now, the temptation for this is to go out and find all the people you can around you. What should I do on this and get them to tell you what to do? That's not building faith from, building faith from the, the Word. It's building faith from what other people said. You need to get into the Word of God. Well, I've read that verse of Scripture. Then read it again. And read it again. Until you get enlightened to see something that you have never seen in there before, it becomes alive to you like it never became alive to you before. And all of a sudden, down on the inside, faith from that Word rises up and says, this is what I need to do. Brother Hagin shares this story. If you've never read that, that book of his, I Believe in Visions. How many have never read that book of his, I Believe in Visions? Anybody? I'll tell you what, read that book. Oh, it's a wonderful book. He goes over all the different visions, things that happened to him. Uh, you can, I'm pretty sure you can get it digitally now. You don't have to you know, find the hard copy of it. I'm pretty sure they digitized them all. So Amazon Books or, um, I don't know, Kindle, all those kind of things. You should be able to find it on there. But read that. One of the stories he talks about was when faith, when his eyes were finally opened up to Mark 11. And he finally understood this in a way he never understood it before. And he understood that he was healed. And this came up in his spirit. This is what God spoke to him in his spirit. He says, well, people don't stay in bed all morning. Or something to that effect. He says, well, they don't. So if I believe I am healed, if I believe I'm well, I need to get up. I'll leave the rest for you. Go out there and find that story in the book. Because it's not just a, a quick, quick answer, but I'll tell you, it's before, before, uh, before that morning was over, he joined his family down at the breakfast table. Because something came up. A faith from the Word came up once he understood this in a way he had never understood it before. You've got scriptures floating around on the inside you have faith in, but your eyes haven't been opened to them the way they need to be. But you get with God. God, I need to understand this. Open up my eyes to see. There's something in here that I need to get. And when you see it, faith from it will build up. And you will know, if I do this, a whole lot of people throw away their medications thinking that if I throw away my, medic my medication, I'll be in faith. No, you won't. Throwing away medication, throwing away glasses, throwing away things like that's not going to be a thing of faith. Faith is 
when the Word of God comes alive on the inside of you. And he says, well, people don't stay in bed all morning. He's going to speak something like that to you. And all of a sudden, you'll have the opportunity to have faith in that. Here's one more story for you. A man stepped into the synagogue with a condition that was brought about by an injury. And Jesus saw him. And even though it was a Sabbath and everyone was looking to see if he would do something about it, he called the man out. And he said, stand forth. He said, stretch out your hand, the man with the withered hand. Stretch out your hand. And that apparently is something that he couldn't do. But he heard Jesus say, stretch out your hand. And Jesus gave him something to have faith from. He had faith in Jesus. That's why he was there. He had faith in Jesus' words. But now he had something to have faith from. Stretch out your hand. And when he did it, it became just as whole as the other. No one can tell you what faith from is for you. But the Spirit of God, when you walk in that revelation that you've never had before on that verse of Scripture, never saw that before, but all of a sudden your eyes are open and you see it. You step out. And down in your spirit comes this. Do this. Do this. And you do it. And the power of God comes upon you. You are healed of your affliction. Father, I thank you that we can have faith that comes from your word. If we didn't have faith in your word, we probably wouldn't be here. We need to step out more and have faith from your word. Faith that calls for action. I thank you, Father. I thank you that we can do it. This week, as we study your word, look to your word for the promises that we need. Because first off, we need to know, do you have it or do I have it? If you have it, are you willing to give it? And third, do I qualify? And if I already have it, then I need to know what I'm supposed to be doing. Open up our eyes, Father, like they've never been opened before. Help us to see and understand. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As you go along this week, pull out some of those prayers that are in the, in the Word. Colossians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3. Three prayers that Paul would pray for the believers, for the saints. And they have to do with revelation. There's more of God's Word that can be revealed to us. More of His Word we can understand. We need our eyes opened. There's conditions we need to get healed over. There's conditions we need to help other people get healed over. And you can do it. It's in you. I love what Peter said. Silver and gold I don't have. Didn't mean he was poor. It just says at the moment I don't have that in my pocket. But what I do have, I give you. Got to know that you have it. Got to know that you have it. Glory to God. We have a praise report from Ethel. She says, grateful for a body 
who knows how to be encouragers. I came in this morning with things just bothering me. And each person I came in contact helped me pass through, pass through the issues. Thank you. Glory to God. That was, that was good. That's the only one we had? All right. This, uh, we've got a couple of announcements here at the end that, that are outside of what I'm going to be saying to you. But um, Tuesday night, we have Hallelujah Night. It's going to be, we, the address is in your bulletin. You can just Google that and it'll take you right there. We want everyone to come whether you have little kids or not. The reason that we do this is so that you have an alternative to staying at home if you don't want to participate in Halloween and ignoring all the people that are coming to the door and all that sort of stuff. We're not doing this as a Halloween alternative. We're doing this to get you out of the house. Because a lot of people don't like to be in a house and the doorbells are ringing and all the kids are showing up with the costumes and all the other stuff that goes on with that. So it's an alternative of a place to go. And if no one is home, no one can answer your door. So no one's going to expect that. So we come on out. If you have little kids, great. Bring them along. No costumes. Just come on out. If you have friends they want to bring, bring them along. Just let us know that they're coming. If they want to participate in the laser tag, we'd like to know that they're, that they're coming. And, and we ask you to bring some finger food. I mean, this is, not a, this is not a nutritional food night. This is a junk food night. If you bring guacamole, I guess that would be a, a, a good you know, nutritional food. And I would be very happy. Not everybody would care. But uh, guacamole is good. <laughs> but we're looking at, you know, those finger hot dogs and mustard and uh, uh, stuff doused in cheese and bacon and, um, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And so then we just sit on around. And if you don't have any kids, we just sit around and have some fun over food. We don't get to do that a whole lot as a church anymore because we're not going out as much to church on Sunday because we have other things that are going on a lot of time. So if you don't have any kids, come on out and sit and have the fellowship and enjoy. You don't have to participate in any games if you don't want to. Just come on out. We're going to be there for about two hours. And um, just love to have your fellowship and your company. Bring some, um, some particularly unhealthy unwholesome type of food along um, and just come on out and, and have some fun with that. So that's what's going on. We will not have service on Wednesday. I put a poll out to those folks who came out on Wednesday and the three people who did respond to me uh, told me they liked the idea that uh, we just didn't have a uh, service. So we're no service on Wednesday night. Folks and everything on Tuesday. Come on out and enjoy the fellowship. It'll be 6.30 to 8.30 over there at the High Point. It's in Chalfont, right near our house. If you've been there for the picnic, not too far from there. If you need any help getting there, you just let us know. That's going to go on on Tuesday. On Friday night, we have a work day. I'm going to let my daughter talk about that one. Friday night and Saturday morning, we're going to, have to try and do a work day. If, if some people can make one and not the other, that's why we're doing it for two of them. Um, so I'll let, let her come on up and, and talk about that. So we're going to have a little different week this week. No Wednesday night service. 